Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shane needs to be in perfect the premiers of 1992. The 
captain sort of stepping down but then playing on. So a little bit of uncharted waters for Hearn here. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see the timing, as you said, with Hearn sort of coming to, unfortunately, he'll be coming to the end of his career, if not this season, maybe in the next couple of years, uh, as much of a shame as it is to say that. Keys, we've speculated for a while that Shuey would take over, but with the spectre of Hearn sort of sitting there, he, he removed himself entirely from the leadership group to give Shuey a clean run of it. How do you think that dynamic's going to play out with an ex-captain still on the list, but then you've got this guy, Shuey, who's been a bit of a spiritual leader for a while now, officially taking the reins? Oh, I think the type of guy Shannon Hearn is would solve any of those problems. Shannon Hearn, I think one thing you wouldn't ever accuse him of is having an inflated ego. So I think he stepped aside rather than someone tapping him on the shoulder. Had he not said he didn't want to do it, he'd be captain again this year. So it's his decision to move away from it. So I can't, I can't imagine he'd be um, much of a problem sitting in the background and just doing Shannon Hearn things. I mean, he wasn't a prominent sort of captain as such. He just went about his business the way, yeah, quietly and efficiently. So I can't see that being an issue for um, for sure. And he's just got someone there. If he does need some guidance, he's got a pretty good guy in the background there that would be more than willing to help out if he needs it. Yeah, it's an interesting approach to handing over the captaincy, but I think it's hopefully one that'll uh, lend itself to a little bit of success because Shuey's been captain in waiting for a while, as you guys have touched on, but Hearn is still there as a little bit of a of a buffer if he needs some, some help in private. So, yeah, good decision to get us underway in the off-season. Uh, moving a little bit further along now in our off-season news, we had the unveiling of a new rendition of the team song. Now, there was some mixed responses to this one. I think personally my stance on it's probably softened a little bit since when it was first unveiled, but basically for me I think it's it's not a bad recording of the song. It's a, it's a decent you know little tune. It's all, all nice. It sounds quite modern. But for me it doesn't really have any fire or know, like defiance. You know, It doesn't have an us-versus-them edge that a lot of really good footy club songs do. So it's a little bit sterile for me, maybe a bit focus-tested and all that sort of stuff. I'm not a big fan of guitars in the footy club songs. I like the big horns, the old-school renditions like GWS Nailed. You know, you can write a new song and have it sound old, but uh, a novel approach on the club song from the Eagles. Miguel, how did you feel on the day? How do you feel now? And and where are we going to go with this club song once there's 60,000 people at Optus all singing it? Well, I think that'll be the test for it because, yeah, I, I like it as a song. Um, and well, I like Birds of Tokyo, so anything that they do is all right. I thought that our song needed some verses added to it and you know, something added to it because it was you know, just sort of the same four lines repeated over and over again previously uh, when they dropped the, the wise men from the east back in the 80s or 90s or whenever that happened. Yeah, the, it's, it's a decent song, but it's hard to see it being sung by, yeah, by 60,000 people adopt this after a win, so... I don't know, that'll be the test for it. We'll see, I guess, um, how it goes in that environment and know how the players go singing it, whether they change it all or whether they just do the... Because the first verse of it is that, that chanted bit. Mm. Um, so they may just continue what they've been doing with that. I can't imagine they'll sit in the change rooms and sing the whole song. Might go on a bit. I wouldn't mind hearing the harmonies in the change rooms. I think the early mail from the club was that they will just sing last year's version, which then to me sort of raises the question of like, well, okay, why change it then? Or why not change it to something that's more in line with what the boys will sing after the win and all this sort of stuff. But anyway, uh, ultimately, if your biggest problem at your club 
is your club song, I think you're doing all right. And Keys, even the worst song, if it were our victory song, I wouldn't mind hearing 22 times a year. So what was your take on the new rendition of the Eagles club song? Yeah, I'd probably be a bit like you. I think I've softened a bit. I, I, I don't mind it just as a standalone song. I think it sounds pretty good. I think it's a, it's a pretty good song for an ad, for marketing, mm. um, for a pre-game song coming after they run out on the back of Wolfmother. Uh, you know, it could fall a little flat. I'm not sure, but then the old one did as, as well. I think it's a, I think it's an improvement on what they had. But given they've gone to the trouble of changing it, I don't know they've improved it by enough to have justified changing it. But we'll see how we go on game day, um, and hopefully we hear it 25 times. I would have liked to hear that uh, didgeridoo and the clapping stick motif that starts off at the start i think it gets lost a little bit but I, when that first started and i heard they recorded the song obviously the first 10 seconds you hear are the sort of indigenous undertones to it all and i was like oh yeah i could get on board with this and then it kind of gets washed out a little bit i think they've done a really good job of late uh promoting or highlighting that indigenous community side of the club and i think you know that could have been a really interesting take on a footy song because nobody else is doing that but uh Guys, yeah, we'll, we'll move away from the song. And as we've all said, look, if we hear it 25 times, if we hear it 22 times in Home and Away and we hear it on the last day in September, I don't think we'll be too upset with how it sounds ultimately. Uh, On-field news now, Jamie Cripps signed a three-year extension with the club. And he's a player that's sort of underrated outside the club, I think. But I reckon the Eagles fans understand his impact pretty significantly. He's turned into a fantastic gut runner. He's a great pressure forward. He knows where the goals are. Miguel, fantastic to have a bloke like Jamie Cripps. We got him for great value. It's fantastic to have him extend his stay with the club for another three years. Yeah, and that'll pretty much just about take him to the end of his career, I think. Um, He's obviously really happy at the club, um, happy being home and he's had success there and he's been a really sort of underrated player for us. He's I think he's got at least one top five finish in the best and fairest. His uh, his role as a sort of gut running um, you know, half forward and a pressure forward has been really important for us. It um, was really important in the, the premiership year. And, um, yeah, it'll be really important this year without uh, Willie Rioli and with a bit of a hole in the forward line. So, yeah, great to have him signing on again. And, um, yeah, look forward to him closing out his career as an eagle, but not for another four or five years yet, hopefully. Keys. With the absence of Willie Rioli in this coming season, we have some young small forwards coming through. Obviously, Liam Ryan, you'd expect, will be a pretty permanent feature as well in the forward line. The addition of Kelly, though, we saw Cripps move up the field, up to the wing, up to the middle at occasion. What do you think Cripps's role is going to look like now for these next couple of years as we sort of transition into this next generation of, of young forwards? I think he'll probably still do much the same. He, he pushes up fairly high up the ground. I think that's one of the reasons why he gets unnoticed sometimes because he pushes up. He doesn't. He's not spending all his time twenty metres out from goal. He's not a, you know, his highlight reels not huge in comparison to, you know, the likes of Ryan and Rioli. But he just gets the job done. Well, I think he'll continue on with that. He's got a good tank. He mets up the ground, pushes back hard, and then he'll have a role with the guy with the likes of Ryan and Petrucelli, Cameron, uh, those sort of guys that get some time just to. To guide them through, as Simo sort of pointed out, we do have a, a youngish forward line. We've got it's a little bit of a mix. We've got the like the old heads like Kennedy and Darling and Cripps have played a lot of footy together, and then you've got a, a bit of a gap then to to the others. So Cripps helps fill that connection, I suppose. 
and in the connection too between defence and, and forward sometimes as well, pushing up onto the wing. So what I've seen, he's in some of the match sims, that's what he's doing. He gets sort of high half forward and then pushes back, maybe not quite as often as he as he has done in the past. Be interesting to see how they use him. A couple of moving pieces in the midfield, in the forward line this year as well. But one thing is for sure is that having Jamie Cripps on the list, locked away for a couple more years, certainly going to be a benefit to the club, to Adam Simpson's forward line. Speaking of a couple of the midfielders, and indeed a couple of the stars of the West Coast Eagles, the AFL announced a bushfire relief game. It is incorrectly being referred to as a state of origin game, which is a bit of a source of frustration for me, but I don't think it's a fight that anybody outside Victoria is going to win. Uh, with that said, Miguel, we had Elliot Yo, we had Brad Shepard, and now Andrew Gaff uh, all slated to be involved in this game. It's a cool concepts. I'd probably prefer none of the Eagles play just because of the injury risk and, you know, interrupted preseason and all that sort of stuff. But still, it's always nice to see your players recognised as champions of the game and, and the elite of the elite. So what's your take on the group that's going, the players that didn't go, and just the concept in general? Yeah, not too fussed about the um, the injury risk. I hope bloody well hope that doesn't come back to bite me because, you know, the, the players, uh, Yo, Shepard and Gaff, who are playing uh, in the, the bushfire game, and yeah, I agree with you. I'm not going to call it a state of origin game. Um, the bushfire game on Friday, those three guys won't be playing in the Essendon game on Thursday. So they're getting really the same amount of footy. Uh, you know, it, it's a good opportunity for them. It gives us the opportunity as well to blood a few more, uh, youngsters in the, in the Essendon game. Uh, and I, I said in the thread that, uh, with Gaff's late call up, it might, um, be an opportunity to see someone like Xavier O'Neill, uh, albeit a preseason game, play his first AFL game. Uh, so that's a positive. Yeah, uh, good to see those three guys picked. You know, there, there could have been quite a few others. Um, like McGovern and Darling, apart from injuries, would have been in the running. A uh, little bit surprised not to see Hearn picked, given he's the reigning All-Australian, uh, should have been captain. Um, <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. Yeah, I was just trying to remember as I was speaking whether he was captain or not, and then I remembered yeah, bloody yeah, Fife. Yeah, um, he was not. Yeah, anyway. Kelly, a bit unlucky as well, but that means his first game for the year will be in Eagles colours, which is good. Shuey, you know, his first game for the year will be captaining the Eagles, which is good. And, uh, yeah, so uh, pretty happy to see the guys selected. Um, there's positives for the guys that aren't selected and uh, positives for our Marsh Cup game as well that we'll, um, we might see some guys like O'Neill and maybe Francis Watson replacing Shepard in the back line and, and stuff like that. Keys, the rules for the selection of this bushfire relief game sort of changed throughout, you know, at first it was a limited number per club and then it seemed to get away from that a little bit and, it, you know, there's, we've seen injury replacements, we've seen changes to the list. So what do you make of only three Eagles going and, and the whole process for getting these guys across? Yeah, look, I think it's, I mean, firstly, you know, it's a great cause, so I don't have an issue with that. I think it's a good time of year to hold it. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I sort of get rolled up when I call it State of Origin, when it's really Victoria versus non-Victoria. But that aside, it's a good game. It's a good chance for a few of our guys to um to play in it. I suspect that we might have had more had we not held some players back. I think likes of uh, Nat Nui and Kelly and Shuey and Hearn and Kennedy, I think we're all deliberately held out because the way they the club wants to manage their loads and doesn't want it. I think Darling would have been playing had he not fractured his cheekbone. So, yeah, I, I'm, 
I'm a little surprised. I, I, I figured when Gaff was selected first time round that it must have been because he was held out as well. But because he's coming on a replacement, I'm a little surprised that there's players that were chosen ahead of him. Like he's in there now. So, yeah, three, I think most, you know, if you look at it, you think, well, three, three was a reasonable sort of number. But obviously when they were sort of picking the sides, you know, there's going to, there were going to be clubs that, you know, trying to limit it to three was going to be a little bit hard and then trying to find three from the likes of, of Gold Coast, for example, was always going to be a bit of a challenge. So I'm not surprised that they uh, filled with the rules once it came time to um, selection. It'll be an interesting game. I'll be interested as well to see, given that the AFL is insisting on making this state of origin to a degree, if they'll use this as sort of a future litmus test for whether there's a market or a demand for state of origin, because it is a concept that I think could work. It's just a matter of finding when and getting the clubs to agree. Obviously, Keys, as you pointed out, this is for a great cause, so probably a little bit easier to get everybody on board that way. But we will see how the game goes. We'll see how the Eagles players in it go. And uh, after that, put it behind us, move on to the season proper. Well, it's certainly been a busy off-season from the AFL side of things, but of course it has been a massive few months for the Eagles' AFLW program as well. Without, I suppose, saying too much, we're really hoping to do a massive episode on AFLW at some stage in the near future, so stay tuned for that one. We'll put out the information through Twitter, through Big Footy. Uh, but with all of that said, of course, the AFLW launched over the last couple of months. The Eagles are in their inaugural season and, gents, I thought it would be a good time to just have a, a quick recap of some of their off-season news and into the start of their first ever season. So, firstly, we saw the club appoint Emma Swanson as the inaugural captain, Dana Hooker taking on the role of vice-captain. Miguel, I think this one was a little bit of a surprise to some on Big Footy just because of the way that Hooker arrived at the club uh, with the accolades being an All-Australian, and she was sort of the, the public face of the new program in a way. So I think a few people maybe expected her to fill the role of captaincy. But Emma Swanson, we've seen some great footy from her in the early stages of this season, from Dana Hooker as well, of course. Uh, Miguel, what did you make of the call to arrange the captaincy and the vice-captaincy the way that they did? Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. Um, not knowing... I hadn't followed the AFLW too closely before we came into it, so not knowing too much about um, Swanson. Um, yeah, as you said, Hooker was certainly uh, the public face of the club and has really remained the public face of the club uh, even though Swanson's um, been named captain, um, Hooker does a lot of the media stuff. I, I think she's sort of doing a bit of a media apprenticeship at the club as well. Whether it was sort of maybe take a little bit of the pressure off her, a little bit of the heavy lifting, uh, I'm not sure. But yeah, she and Swanson certainly seem to have been two of the better performed players um, going around uh, for us at least in the first three games. They uh, they just need a bit of help, I think. Yeah, that's it. Look. Taking a quick look at, at those games, we've, of course, had the three matches thus far in the season. Zero and three, unfortunately, but it, it's that first year, it's all about getting the pieces in place and sort of finding who belongs on the list long term, really just setting up that foundation for future seasons as a bit of an expansion club. In general, across the AFLW, this year especially, we've seen the expansion club struggle. So there's a couple of games to circle later on in the fixture list when we play the likes of Gold Coast, these sorts of clubs, just to see how that all plays out. But yeah, look, Miguel, as you mentioned, Hooker, terrific. Swanson, terrific. They do need a little bit of help. They have been a couple of shining lights as well outside of the leadership group. Chantella Pereira, for me, uh, 
knew a little bit about her as a WNBL player prior, but didn't know anything about her as a football product, unfortunately. But she's impressed the hell out of me. She looks great down there, intercepting, reads the play well, and uh, she's had a fair bit to do in defence given the, the way the games have played out, and Pereira really impressed me. Uh, Neve Kelly, another one I've thought has been really good. She's got that Gaelic Irish background, not really a, a lifelong footy player or anything by that stretch, but she looks a bit of a natural. She's taken to it, goes hard at the footy. We saw her get a Mark of the Week nomination against GWS underneath the high ball, you know, so she's certainly not afraid to get in there and do the courageous stuff, which will be great to see. Just get her a bit more of the footy and uh, get her breaking the line. It'll be great. Imara Cameron, she was, of course, the first pick in that AFLW draft for the Eagles, booted a massive goal on the weekend. She's been pretty lively. Michaela Bowen looks like she belongs. Uh, she had a goal as well on the weekend. Mackenzie Dowrick's been terrific. Miguel, there are some pieces here where you can say, yep, these are going to be Eagles of the future, hopefully. Uh, you know, long term, these are sort of the foundations of the club as they sort of build on this expansion year. So what, what have you made of these early games, despite the results? There's a couple of pieces here and there, I think, that are pieces to watch, players to watch. Yeah, definitely players to watch. Um, Paris Laurie in the Rucks, another one. She's been really good. Mm. Um, but the problem has been the forward line. Uh, some in the thread who, in the um, AFLW thread on Big Footy, uh, had identified when the list was put together that we were sort of missing a, a real forward target and that's how it's played out. They're just struggling to kick goals at the moment, so they're going to need to find some. Andrea Gilmore, who was a late addition to the list, uh, is sort of a key forward. She might be someone who's able to provide that forward target, but for some weird reason around the, the playing lists, she's uh, she's not allowed to play at the moment. So if we can get maybe get her in and trial her at full forward, and um, yeah, she can provide hopefully a strong marking uh, forward target. But, yeah, they're, they're struggling at the moment. Eagles fans aren't used to losing, apparently, um, obviously. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a new experience for us being um, bottom of the ladder, but there's a great atmosphere and um, great energy around the, the AFLW team, and uh, eventually that'll uh, translate into wins on the board. But, yeah, we're going to have to be a little bit patient, which is something we're not uh, great at traditionally. No, unfortunately, it's – well – unfortunately in a way, but also it's fantastic to have had the success we've had. But look, a foundation here for the for the AFLW side and there are going to be, you know, a couple of bumps, a few, uh, bit of a learning curve along the way, but look, they're going to get there and it's all about really just turning up, supporting the club and making sure that this foundation is something that the club can build on in a couple of years because we've seen with the competition, it doesn't take a lot for a team that's not rated one year to turn around and be very good the next year. So you never really know season to season uh, with the competition like the AFLW as it currently exists. So, look, as I said, we're trying to get a, uh, a sort of a more focused AFLW episode up and running in the near future. We will post information about that on the Big Footy board. We'll have that information up on the uh, Big Footy Pod Twitter account as well. So if you've got any questions, any comments, anything like that you'd like us to discuss on the AFLW pod, please get in touch. Back to the men's side now. The Marsh Community Series is underway. They've renamed the pre-season series yet again, but effectively it's all the same. A good opportunity to see a couple of young kids get a run out for the Eagles, to see Tim Kelly make his debut, Nick Natanui back on the track. So there are games against Essendon and Frio on the horizon. Keys, I know you've been a bit of a prominent figure at open training throughout the off-season. You've uh, taken in quite a few of the sessions there. So before we dive into these pre-season games, why don't you start us off with some of your big takeaways from the off-season? Is there anyone that's impressed you? Any surprises? How's it all been down at training? 
generally training's been pretty good, most of the... The ones I've been to, schools have been pretty good. I think it was one one day I went that they seemed a little bit off for whatever reason, but for the most part, they look pretty sharp. I've seen a couple of days where they've had match sims, and things seem to be gelling quite well. I think, you know, from the reports, there's, there's a couple of younger guys. Bailey Williams has sort of stepped up and has had a pretty good pre-season from what I've seen. I think that's been aided a little bit because uh, Hickey and Vardy have both had sort of interrupted seasons so far, and they've only just, in the last maybe week or two, sort of got in something approximating full training. So Williams has done a fair bit. He's looked pretty good. A couple of ones, Goy, who he sort of went off the radar a bit last year, and I reckon his boy's own admission would say of his best year last year was Tom Cole. He's been really good with what I've seen. He's sort of, I'd say, go back to his 2018 form, but probably probably ahead of that. I mean, it's training and all that sort of stuff, but he's actually um, looks like a guy that's realised he, he sort of maybe let last year slip a little bit and wants to get back in a good book. So he's been a, a, a bit of a surprise. Jared Brand has had a, a good sort of run out over the pre-season, mainly if anyone been reading the reports would know he's, he's been settled on a almost on a wing in a midfield spot. So I think the first two years of this club, the match committee had trouble working out what the hell he was and where his best position was. And I think to a degree, his footy suffered a little bit because they weren't quite sure what to do with him. Uh, I think if one takeaway from this off-season has been that, you know, they've settled on him being a wing, which is, I'm not quite sure that's where he will be longer term, but they've said that's where he's going to be for this year. So that that's what they've put the work into him as. Showing the benefits for a, for a guy who's six foot four, six foot five, or whatever he is, he is actually quite clean below his knees. So you can see why they want to give him a run at the midfield. Becomes a pretty good marking target out of defence if we need to go that way. He's got a pretty good tank, so he's someone I'm sort of hoping to see some good signs of out of the Mars series with a bit of a run there. It's been really good seeing Kennedy and Nat Nui out in the track. I've been going to pre-seasons now for three or four years and this is the first one where I've seen both those guys spend a significant amount of time training with the main group and I think that's that they've been nursed through a little bit they don't do a hundred percent of all the sessions but they do a good chunk of it so I think the the way they're handling it is pretty good they're getting a fair, fair bit of time into them without burning them out because both those guys are going to be important in the back end of the season so you don't want to wear them out too soon but both those guys are moving as well as they've had for quite a while. So hopefully they've got a, a good year in front of them too because they'll be both pretty important. The big one, obviously, is everyone's excited to see how Kelly goes and how he fits in. From what I've seen, it's been quite seamless. I think in the past, guys like Redden and Wellingham and Jeddah, when we brought them in as established midfielders, we've struggled to find a, a role for them. And as a result, their first year or two, they probably hadn't played their best footy and, until they've sort of settled in to the side. With Kelly, I think we've got a spot, which is a high half-forward slash midfielder, which I think we've spent a decade since Cousins kind of filled without success, and Kelly's looking like he's going to slot into that perfectly because that's the role he plays. He was playing that role at South Fremantle, which got him drafted by Geelong, and when he was at Geelong, he, that's, that's the role he plays. He's really good at just floating in and around packs and just finding the footy. If someone else gets it, he runs to a good spot to be in a dangerous position to receive it, keeps running on. So we knew what we were getting, and I think we're going to see that he's going to be worth what we gave for him. 
Um, I suppose the final takeaway is just an overall observation that whilst there's been guys in rehab at different times over the course of the pre-season, in comparison to where I remember other years, our numbers on the track have seemed actually really, really good. You know, there's times where I've, I've been, and it's not unusual to see 12, 13 guys sort of split away from the main group and do their own little thing. This year, it's, it's often only three or four or five or six, and, and even then, some of that group of, um, you know, they've been doing some pretty serious running and things like that, so they've not just been walking laps. So that's that's encouraging, um, and I think really, as we head into the season, the only long-term concern we've got is poor young Venables with his concussion, which is, you know, something that, that's a time thing that needs to, to fix. There's nothing anyone can really do about that. And the long-term ramifications with him is he's got, you know, 60, 70 years of life ahead of him. He doesn't want to jeopardise that by coming back and, and risking that, getting another head knock. So it's unfortunate, but I think the club's doing the right thing with him holding him. Right, so we're healthy. We've got Nick Natanui, we've got Josh Kennedy, we've got Tim Kelly. Sounds like we're going to win the flag. We'll see you all next year. Uh, Miguel, moving on to the pre-season games themselves, we obviously know we'll be without Yo Gaff Shepherd from the Bushfire game. Darling with the cheekbone, McGovern, and, of course, Venables, unfortunately. Possibly, probably Oscar Allen as well. Uh, but beyond that, there is a healthy list to select from. So as we look to these games against Essendon, against Fremantle, is there a player or a strategy? Is there a concept? Is there something that you're looking forward to most as we get towards these proper stages of the preseason? Um, apart from Kelly, you know, obviously looking forward to seeing how he goes in the midfield um, with Shuey and um, the other guys and, you know, Yo when he gets back from the bushfire game and, and so on. Really excited to see some of the um, the forward line players who are sort of auditioning for Willie Rioli's spot. Petricelli's kind of the incumbent. Jared Cameron is one who um, I'm thinking will have a really big year this year. He showed what he could do as a um, a young kid who looked like he weighed about 60 kilos ringing wet last year. Uh, he, he's bulked up a bit this year. He, he looks like he's a football player now when he's running around at open training. He doesn't look like the work experience kid. Uh, that, that's Ben Johnson this year. Um, he, yeah, he's the, uh, he's taken the role as the tiny bloke out there. Um, yeah, Cameron, I'm picking to really have a, a big year. Um, so, you know, he'll be right in for the fight for Rioli's spot. And, uh, Jermaine Jones, if he gets the final rookie spot on, on the list, um, which you know, he's, he's training at the moment. He seems to have the inside running. Uh, he's one who could really put his hand up as well. So that's probably what I'm, apart from Kelly, that's what I'm looking forward to uh, the most is um, yeah, seeing those guys battle for a spot. Oh, and uh, just before you um, swing back to Keys, I'll um, throw in Harry Edwards there. There's a bit of a gap at the moment for, um, for a key defender with... Uh, McGovern battling to make round one. Tommy Barras is under a bit of an injury cloud as well. Uh, Oscar Allen was being trolled down there a bit, but he's now injured. So, yeah, we might see Harry Edwards get a, a run early, which he looked really, really good early um, last season in the Waffle. He, he got injured and he maybe wasn't quite the same player when he came back, but it looks to have grown. He looks like he's about six foot seven now, which is a really good size for a, a key defender. And, yeah, he could sort of be that um, Harris Andrews type uh, defender for us so you're looking forward to seeing him as well yeah it'll be very interesting to see how edwards goes uh keys you mentioned bailey williams as well off the top there there's a couple of guys brander as well that are looking to really break into the side or, or break into that group of that 23 to 
30, that list of guys who are right there. If something happens to the 22, these are the guys that are in. Keys for yourself, is there a player in particular you'd like to see in these preseason games go well? Is there somebody that has been standing out on the track that you think can convert it into game actions? And, and tell us a little bit more about Jermaine Jones, obviously extra long and, and trying to get that last spot on the list. I've, I've probably touched on me already. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Brander play against uh, AFL opponent. I think we've got something quite special there. He just hasn't had the chance to really show it. And he's one that, that probably excites me more than anybody else. And then it's, it's a matter of, I'm sort of interested to see how they pick the side because in the past when there was three pre-season games, we used to have a habit of the first game was a bit of a throw all the youngsters in and, and just let them sink or swim. And then the last two games, we sort of got closer to what round one side might look like. But, now they've cut it back to two, we've, we've, we've tended to go with something approximating our, our round one side. So I'm thinking they'll kind of do that, especially with their... Van Bello did a press conference yesterday saying that they're, they're keen to try and get the chemistry with Kelly and things like that. So I think we'll see as close to a full-strength side on Thursday as, as what we can, given the guys who are injured in the bushfire game. I'm hoping that, we, as Miguel said, we gaff out that Xavier O'Neill gets a sniff He's had a pretty solid pre-season, and he'd be one young guy that, you know, our, our midfield, our, our first six mids is a really strong group, but then we sort of falls away a little bit after that. So mm. we need one of these young guys like Ainsworth or O'Neill or, or the two of the O'Neills, that sort of group. We need we need one of one of them to sort of jump up and and show that maybe if if one of our our starting mids goes down, we've got someone quite capable to come in. So. I'm, I'm hoping we see O'Neill on Thursday night. Not sure if we will, but and and if he does, just how he goes. Um, Jermaine Jones, he's only been at the club for just over a week, if my recollection's right. So I've only really seen him in one training session, and that was last Tuesday, and I think that was probably only his second day at the club. So it's a pretty small sample size. I think just looking at his background and, and some of his highlights when it came apparent that he was going to come, I he looks like a, a pretty sound rookie list selection. Geelong had pretty, they were pretty tight for list spots at the end of last year. So it's not like he's been squeezed out of Gold Coast. He's been squeezed out of the side that finished the year on top of the ladder last year. So, and he, he plays a position they, they're reasonably good depth in. So he's worth a, worth a shot. His highlights from Geelong sort of were encouraging. And the way what I've seen him, he sort of looks like yeah, it could be it could be quite good. So I'd probably be surprised if he plays on Thursday night. I know there's sort of been some things saying oh we might be allowed, but I'm not quite sure how the rules work with that. I I know. Sorry, um, Darren Minchington is in a similar situation with Hawthorne, and he played uh, their first Marsh Cup game. So I, yep, I think right. I think he's allowed to. But yeah, whether he actually makes the final cut is the question. Yeah, I, I thought that maybe probably give him a run in. You know, the, the Beagles are playing tomorrow night against Swan District, so I thought it probably makes more sense to give him a run in that game rather than that. But if he, if he does get a run against Destin, I think that's a fairly clear indication of where the club sees him. I don't think they're going to give a spot like that to a guy that they're um, thinking of passing over. I think that's, you know, that's probably the, the final audition, I suppose, for a guy that they think they're going to add. They just want to just make sure of it rather than someone who's still trying out for a spot. So either way, it'd be interesting, if he does play, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I, I think he would be 
no disrespect to Brady Gray or, or Nick Reid that we've also tried. I think he's probably got a bit more upside than, than either of those two guys. But, yeah, we've got a spot there. It'd be a pretty canny uh, choice. And I would love, I would lo- I would give good money to see him kick a goal against Geelong in a proper match with Drain Russell commentating so he could say, and he kicks the goal against the side that cut him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I bet he's going to be that on the ball, unfortunately. He's holding a grudge for an off-the-cuff comment from two years ago. How do you like that? Terrific. Guys, look, we've got the preseason games to come, and obviously health will play a factor. The form in these preseason games and throughout training will play a factor. But, Miguel, I'll start with you. If you had to pick one player that you'd consider a bit of a smoky for a round one selection, uh, there's going to be a couple names here that I think are going to be probably more common. But I'll start with you here, Miguel. If you had to give us a smoky for round one as it stands currently, who would that be? Uh, we've probably touched on a few of them already, but I think probably I'll say Bailey Williams. Not sure they've settled on who will be Nick Nat's partner in the ruck. Um, Vardy fell out of favour a bit last year. Um, Hickey's been injured to start the year, so has Vardy. So um, I don't, yeah, I don't think they'll go with Oscar Allen, even if he was fit with Nat Nui. I think he needs a bit more of a, a genuine ruck backup. So yeah, we could see a, a Bailey Williams debut round one. Yep, I like that call a lot. Uh, obviously, Allen, his availability might still be a little bit up in the air come round one as well, and we've seen that they like to have Allen in the side. Williams is a little bit more of a natural fit to do the rucking, and then he can still swing up forward, and we saw him in the waffle last year. Do a pretty good job of that for the Beagles. Keys, over to you. A smoky for round one. Do you, do you like the Williams call? Is it somebody like Brander, or is it even maybe more from left field? Who do you like? Okay, I think I've said enough about Williams and Brander already. <laughs> if you want a real left field one, and it would probably only come about because of an injury, but a, a left, complete left field one would be Anthony Tracy. Oh, hello. Okay, go on. He's been pretty solid in the preseason. I mean, he's, in terms of our draftees, he's he's a little bit older. I think he's 22 this year. So he's got a little bit of age on, on the other draftees. He's a little bit little bit bigger in the body than the, than the other boys. If he plays, he's placed a small forward. He's good coming forward. He's applies good pressure. He's someone that you could sort of sneak into a 22 and just say, look, son, just go out there and just do this. So he would be a one from, from left field. And, and as I said, it would probably mean that one of our other smalls has um, has got a niggle. But he's one that I would throw up as a, as a left field suggestion. It's a little bit like the Jared Cameron debut last year. Now, that game was probably a little bit more uh, last resort, I suppose. We were suffering at the minute, or at that stage, you know, for options in that small forward slot. But, you know, they did kind of just say, hey, out you go, see what you can do. He, he kicked two goals and he had six or seven tackles. He was quite a presence around the ground on the debut. So, yeah, the side can certainly carry somebody in that final forward pocket spot just to give us a bit of magic and a little bit of, you know, see what happens around the ground, around the goals. Maybe you can shag a few. So, yeah, good shout. I like it. Uh, a couple of smokies and certainly a couple of players to watch throughout the preseason. That'll do it for us this week. Miguel, thanks very much for returning for another season of the podcast. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, no worries. Good to be back. And Keys, same to you. Keep an eye out on all of the training gossip, all the info for us, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back on in the very near future. Thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, no problems. going to head down on Thursday and watch. And I mean, it's a pre-season game. That means nothing, but a win over Essendon is 
never a bad thing. A win over Essendon on a Thursday night in WA. You wouldn't bloody read about it. As always, guys, you can get in contact with us on Big Footy. You can hit us up directly on Twitter at WCEBFpod. If you're new to the show and you'd like to hear something specific discussed, be sure to let us know. We take questions all throughout the year. We have heaps of question segments, or we'll just drop them in throughout episodes as they come. So uh, definitely make sure you get in contact. And if you would like to leave a rating or a review, something like that on iTunes, it all helps. It all helps us uh, go up the charts, be a little bit more visible as well as we come towards AFL season. So that would be very much appreciated. With that said, thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much for returning for another season of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, we've got some big plans for the next couple of episodes as we get closer to the kickoff of the AFL season. Keep your eyes out for those ones. Thanks again, guys. We will speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.